When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents Donald Trump was a, a stain on our country. I am someone's daughter. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Sup Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I let you guys know this morning, I'm mad. I'm mad today. Yeah. I'm like... I guess my feeling is just like disappointed, but not surprised. Like, it's not like I thought something was we'll get into it, but it's not like I thought something different was going to happen. But it's just actually frustrating to watch take place. I know it is. You always hope maybe they're all it's like when you like watch it. <laughs> talked about sports for one day and now I've got these sports analogies. But it's like <laughs> when you're like watching. There's like it's a tie and there's a couple seconds left and you're like, maybe, maybe we'll hit a three. But it could happen. It did not happen. It has not happened. (laughs) No, the three has not been hit. (laughs) The three has not been hit. I hope hit is the right uh, phrasing for giving me a thumbs up. Do you hit it? Do you hit a three? I think so. Yes, yes, you do. Oh, good. Sorry, Caitlin. I keep forgetting. (laughs) Just I keep erasing Caitlin's sports fandom every week. Just erasing her. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we talking about? Last night was quite a night. We watched voting rights legislation potentially die in the Senate while awaiting early results from New York's primary. We will start with the former topic and end and make sure we do have some time to touch on updates that we have from the primary. I wonder if that will change in the 30 to 40 minutes we talk, but probably. I'm guessing not. I feel like no. No, I feel like no. I mean, the early, the headline is that Andrew Yang will not be our mayor. <laughs> oh. Right. <laughs> There's some celebrations happening. So we have good news and bad news this morning. So for the bad news, the For the People Act, the sweeping voting rights legislation passed by the House this spring, failed to net the 60 votes needed to move to debate. This would have, I'm going to say would have, I don't think it will be, but this this particular bill would have been the biggest expansion of voting rights since the 1960s. It would have ended the practice of partisan gerrymandering of congressional districts for super PACs to disclose their big donors and created a new public campaign finance system. I want to make sure to reiterate that because there are things in terms of like small D democracy things like make sure people have enough time to vote, enough locations. But these are these are the things that I think Mitch McConnell is is very scared to see go away as well. So Republicans did use the filibuster to keep from even discussing the merits of the bill. That's also important to note. Last night wasn't a vote on the bill. It was a vote on can we talk about this bill? Republicans Mm -hmm. said no. 
Moderate Democrat Joe Manchin joined all 49 other Dems to signal that he felt there was room for negotiation and even bipartisanship on the bill, even after weeks ago saying, if this isn't bipartisan and I don't think it can be, I'm not going to go for it. Um, And it seemed like he might have made some sort of transition to supporting debate on the bill. But Republicans did not meet him there. They shut it down entirely. Not a single one voted to move it forward. Not a single one. This, of course, is not super surprising. Uh, Chuck Schumer's strategy, which we'll talk about, seems to be to continue putting widely popular legislation on the floor that he knows will get 50 Democratic votes. Uh, Like yesterday, we couldn't have made the statement that we did yesterday without Manchin. So I think he's Mm going to keep trying to get 50 votes, assuring 51 with the vice president's vote. And I think he wants this to show that Biden's agenda has the support of a simple majority, as in the party who voters trusted with lawmaking all agree on what laws to make. And they hope this shows that it is the filibuster alone standing in the way of the policies voters elected Democrats to implement. We always know not only do Democrats win the Senate, but they had a march, much harder path to do so. Now they represent 43 million more people than the Republicans. Democrats represent 56% of the population and Republicans represent 44%. Um, so it's not even 50-50 Senate doesn't mean 50-50 representation, um, but it's it's nothing close. So <sighs> opening thoughts, um, what was the strategy here and what did we think of this strategy of just putting this up and seeing what happened? My fear, I guess, with it is that I, our memories are so short these days is that I were like, I get what Chuck Schumer is doing and this idea that it's like to demonstrate over and over again how bad the filibuster is. And maybe that's to demonstrate it specifically to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. <laughs> But when I think about like trying to demonstrate it to people, my fear is that it might do the opposite and just make people feel really discouraged going into the primary and being like, well, we elected, we did all this work to elect these senators and all we've done all year is watch every single thing that we elected them to do get voted down based on this archaic thing that actually we're standing in our own way. Like it's Democrats that are stopping us from removing the True. filibuster. So it's it kind of, to me, it just displays how fucked up our own party is. <laughs> like, <laughs> But maybe yeah. it'll move. Maybe the point is to move mansion and cinema, not like the electorate, you know? What do you think of the strategy here, Caitlin? Um, I don't know <laughs> if I would give it the credit of calling it a strategy. <laughs> like, like, I don't think Trump humor sat around like thinking like, wow, if we do this, this will this will make yeah. things move like yeah, that's true. It feels like, like he just ran out of options. Last decade and a half just not happened. Like, what is I just I'm I'm like at this place place where I have like very little patience or tolerance where they're like, OK, but this time Lucy will hold the football and yeah. like, we're just kind of like, OK, but not only has it happened so much, it's it's been calamitous. Like we've literally watched them. I mean, just just not even six months ago, they exonerated Trump <laughs> from yeah. fighting an insurrection that was going to murder everybody. Yes, I can't. I can't. I like. I I don't have words for this anymore. Like I'm just here being like, if you tried to explain this to like an alien. If benevolent aliens came down, we're like, we will cure the world's ills. Like, you won't have climate change anymore. Like, we we can give you another energy source, all of that. You just need to explain <laughs> how the fuck it got this bad. And then you start explaining it, and they'd be like, nope, nope. Yeah. You're, you're so stupid. We can't give this to you. You will somehow kill yourselves with it. Nope. Okay, oh, bye. Oh, completely. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it really feels like 1984-ish when you're watching things that are like, and the vote was struck down like 51 to 50, 51 being less than 50 now because <gasps> anything that's less than 60 doesn't count. And it's just like, yeah, like like the it's it, like um, you're literally watching votes where you see numbers where a larger number of people voted for something and yet it fails. I feel like we're really starting to see and I am not comparing what's happening to like serious calamities in global history, but you do start to see like oh, this is how fascism happens. Like nobody's reacting appropriately because it's slow. And it's like, this is just what Mitch McConnell does. And, you know, we'll talk about this, but I've been thinking more about how like, okay, what do we do now? Now the next step is to try to get some of this into the courts. And it's like, well, the courts will, will strike it down. And we act like that's because that's just the courts are like, God, it's like, no, the courts will strike it down because they've been sabotaging democracy for so long that they're on the courts. I mean, we talked to Amani Gandhi last week. And she brought up again, which we haven't talked for about. And I don't even think about that much because it does seem radical to me. But it's like, pack the fucking courts then. Like, yeah, there are solutions to all of these these problems. But I don't know. I mean, we say this. It's so weird to repeat things like fascism is taking over repeatedly several days in a row on a podcast. But it's like and nothing's happening. They're not doing anything. I remember reading this piece by a Sri Lankan who was talking about a coup that had happened in their country and they were like yeah it was actually just some like crazy dudes like throwing curry powder at each other like literally like like (laughs) pepper powder in the chamber and it was just like ridiculously stupid and everyone was like this is so stupid and it got snuffed out immediately and Mm. then like six months later there were bombs on easter sunday and it descended into chaos and i'm just thinking about this and being like you can't treat government like a joke and you can't continue giving good faith to people who are very obviously acting in bad faith. Like Republicans are not moving on these positions, not because, you know, there's something wrong with the position, but because they actively want to sabotage it. There's no question about that because people who believe in government don't elect Donald Trump to be their standard bearer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If he actually cared about democracy, he never would have made it onto the ballot in 2016. Like the, the, the it's just like <laughs> off ramps for all of this were so long ago that in my mind, it becomes a kind of form of insanity where I'm like, you guys, him getting to be Republican standard bearer was the first it was like the the five alarm fire. Like at that point, now you're just like listening to an 80 alarm fire. Every unit in the building has smoke, go- smoke alarms going off. And you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know think maybe we should call the firemen. Oh, right. If we do, then some of the people who want their apartment building on fire won't, won't have it. The people who started the fire are going to be really upset if we call the fire department. So <laughs> let's not do it. Yeah. yeah. If we call the fire department to help us, then they may be able to call the fire department to help them. Yeah. But here's the thing. So the Kirsten Cinema argument. So here we are at the filibuster again. Kirsten Cinema. there are at least two Democrats that have said, no, I'm not interested or willing uh, to end the filibuster. But we know, honestly, there are more. Like, I think there are more that are just... Diane. Diane, for <laughs> sure. I think... I mean, last night I started seeing some some of the old white guys uh, from, like, Montana. I, John Chester was like, I'm pissed. Like, I don't... I think the filibuster is good for durable legislation, too. But, like, look what is happening. I think that's what drives me nuts is people act like... Well, we don't want to do anything abnormal. 
what is happening now is abnormal. Like it's just a Senate rule. It's not a fucking like getting rid of a constitutional amendment. It is not that literally, literally Joe Manchin is acting like we want to strike. We, the people from like, like literally like he is acting like this is some fundamental piece of our democracy when it's like a little procedural thing in the Senate. And this is the kind of thing that drives me up the wall because like I'm here thinking about like, like I legitimately see January 6th as April 15th, like 1861. Like this is insane. It is insane that we are still negotiating with people who have literally attacked the government of the United States, like Mm -hmm. literally gone to kill their duly elected representatives for fulfilling their duly appointed role in moving and transitioning our government to a new executive leader. This is the, if you try to describe this in any other, like if if we were, the problem with the, just the entire communication around this is completely batshit. Yeah. I'm like losing my mind. And they're getting rewarded for it. Imagine Lincoln just being like, okay, we need to wage this war. And then like a bunch of like Republicans inside his own party being like, okay, but have you thought about the fact that we would have to get rid of this one tiny procedural rule? You can't do that. So we're just going to stay here and allow the South to just take all of our shit and Mm -hmm. kill people and all that for the sake of slavery, even though they didn't win this election and they have no right we, you know, if, yeah, if we get right. mad at them, then then we'll be the bad guys. Like, are you fucking shitting me? Are what well, we're in pure, it's like pure civil mo- war mode right now? All I'm hearing from Democrats is like, man, it's so rude that they like shelled that federal fort. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I think I think literally Mitch McConnell referred to it last night. He was like, I know we all remember the intense stress of the last Congress, like intense stress, sir. It was a terrorist attack. Yeah, like that's like like, the last terrorist attack on our country. You gave the president he could start war by himself. You all yeah, did. It, it's literally like they're treating it like, um, oh, hell week was crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man, I had like a bunch of midterms do that week. It was so intense. Like, no. Right. And all of this stuff, again, it is really my uh, my fear, like I was saying, is that it's incur- it's discouraging to our own voters and encouraging to Republican voters. Like they're probably like Republican voters are seeing this and they're like, hell yeah, our elected officials go in there and do what we want them to do every fucking time. And they don't even care if the laws apply and they're going to like like our people are crazy. You know, thank God they don't even care if the laws apply and we won't like mess slightly with this one Senate rule. Exactly. Like we elected a bunch of people to act crazy and that's what they did. Meanwhile, <laughs> Democrats, we elect okay, people. Followers. Yeah, exactly. We like elect people to do things and they won't do them. And all we do is like watch all of our shit get voted down and voted down and voted down for like unfair, wrong reasons for reasons that are counter to democracy. And I just I don't see how long the Democratic Party can ask voters to keep coming out and do and putting them in power if when they get into power, nothing happens. I would also venture a guess, and I'm sure there's there's polling or there's research on this, that a majority of Americans probably don't even know that it takes more than a half a simple majority to pass legislation. So yeah. that's why it's like, I really don't think there are 
any electoral consequences for Democrats whatsoever to eliminate the filibuster to get some of this stuff done. Because the worst thing that happens is that like a bunch of people get a bunch of new infrastructure and better like better benefits and better stuff for the next couple of years. And then they are like, cool, I liked that. The Democrats are correct in being afraid of the consequences because like they just we we legally elected Joe Biden and they tried to kill all of our reps. So at this point, any effort to actually allow Democrats to govern, which, again, this goes all the way back to like this whole process. I mean, you could go all the way back to 1865, but let's go back only to 2009, January 20th, when the entire Republican leadership met at a steakhouse to decide that uh, uh, Barack Obama was not going to get a single thing passed in the Mm -hmm. middle First of all, on his inauguration night in the middle of one of the greatest economic calamities in a century. Mm -hmm. The fact that that happened and no one was like, wow, that's really fucked up. Like, that's a really fucked up set of priorities. Like Mm -hmm. the country's on fire and your first thought is stop that guy from fixing it. That's insane. And then no one, no one acted like that was insane. So now we are here at a place where, hey, uh, we need to protect democracy. Uh, no, we're not, we're not cool with that. We'd like fascism, please. Mm-hmm. Like a, a small minority constantly ruling, enriching itself forever on the backs and suffering of all the people who we're going to prevent from changing it forever under any conditions. And if you try to change it under those conditions, under any conditions, try anything at all, we will murder Every single fucking one of you. It's like, yeah. okay, so now we're in a hostage situation. And we are in a hostage situation. With the hostage takers. I hadn't thought of it as a literal hostage situation because they will be violent when we act. Yeah, it's a yeah. literal hostage situation. Yeah, but there's no there's no alternative. That's the problem that I have at uh-huh. this point. It's like, because y'all didn't do shit back in January 20th, 2009, when we had a giant majority in the Senate and we had a blue wave in the House and that... Congress passed more than 400 bills and gave it to the Senate. And Harry Reid didn't just break Mitch McConnell's back right then. Because that did not happen. Now the options are liberty or death. And McConnell did it for for Supreme Court justices the second he could. Right? Like that's the reason our court is like this too. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy healthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. 
But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Let's talk about what comes next for voting rights specifically. So even if suddenly... All summer, you're going to see a lot of progressive groups and a lot of progressive lawmakers pushing ending the filibuster. They have like priorities. USA has like $20 million. They're ready to go. Like you're going to see a lot of pressure on from progressives. I, I The phrase I saw repeatedly throughout the morning, which definitely captured it, was like progressives are seething, which is how I woke <laughs> yeah. up. Feeling. I can confirm you will be seething. seeing pressure. So if suddenly people decide to end the filibuster, this thing would have to pass by Labor Day to be in effect for the 2022 midterms, according to what some election lawyers have advised uh, lawmakers. As I said, we know Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are opposed to the filibuster because they both published op-eds about it. Cinema's I referenced, she most recently wrote about it in the Washington Post. And her main argument is that, you know, if Democrats eliminate or reform the 60 vote threshold, it will be used against us down the line. And it's just not smart. I would say that differs slightly from Manchin's like opposition, which he's just like, no, things have to be bipartisan to be good. But I mean, like we've just been talking about, Mitch got rid of it. We're we're in the Supreme Court situation looking at abortion being under threat because they had no problem doing this. And if we don't get through some voting reforms, Democrats will not be reelected ever. So she's not going to have to worry about a thing like. I mean, it's it's so dumb because we are in as Caitlin illustrated we are in a crisis now uh and yes it is good to think about you know the long-term effects of things that you do but like house is on fire and she's like "Mm, but if we put it out my stuff might get wet like i literally like we might mess up like some of our stuff in Mm -hmm. the process of putting the fire out it's like no girl we have a serious situation that is happening right now and also i am okay with the rule being that like you pass things by a majority right you know like yeah i obviously don't want republicans passing their own bills and i would like to be able to stop them or whatever but like if we're trying to create a more fair system okay let's make one let's actually have it be like a simple majority decides how things are fucking done Right. And Democrats have the popular support. It's just the way that the election system works. They're not it's not reflected. And even more than that, there should be major reforms made to the House. I'm going to continue doing this until someone finally listens to me. (laughs) The Apportionment Act of 1929 is complete bullshit. It has no constitutional basis. It is suppressing the votes of the urban majority of this country. It is incredibly, incredibly bad. Please, somebody. I don't care if it leads to us having 5,000 reps. Figure some shit out. We need it. We well, need- I think if, if representatives were like, I forget the number, but if we had like the accurate number based on how much this country has grown, it's over a thousand. Yeah. Like and people I are think- not represented. 
I think that's reasonable. But more than that, you would see um, there would basically never be a Republican majority in the House ever again. They simply do not have not allocated. And this is the thing. The natural source of politics is supposed to do this, which is you're supposed to appeal to more voters to win. I know that sounds crazy, crazy, but that's actually what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to change your positions to solve the problems that way voters are interested in you. What the Republican Party has figured out is that if you just never solve any problems, but you blame all the problems on your opponents existing, you can just avoid the entire process of even having to discuss the problems themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you just say that your opponents existing is in fact the problem, which then, you know, that's the fascism genocide ball rolling. Mm -hmm. So before we move on to our next topic, I want to discuss strategy more broadly going forward, even if that's a charitable way to discuss it. So I've been thinking about how might what happened last night impact the next few years in Congress and what the Democratic majority might pursue. I mean, if if it becomes clear by the end of summer that that there is no chance of getting ending the filibuster, I think we all agree. like I, I don't see Republicans voting for anything. And, you know, now we're, we're talking about bipartisan infrastructure talks and, you know, going We've also talked about Bernie Sanders like has like a six trillion dollar deal. I mean, do you think seeing what happens, how do you think it will impact how they try to govern for the next couple of years? Do you think they're going to realize, all right, we have to do everything through budget reconciliation? How do you think that Chuck Schumer is looking at what went down and how things will go for the next like year and a half? Again, strategy feels like a very strong word here. Um I mean, obviously, there's no strategic thinking at the top of the Democratic caucus, because if there were, we would not be in this situation. I have to I have to agree with you. I am starting to get very annoyed. (laughs) It just feels it feels to me like everything is just based around convincing a couple of assholes that we need to do something. I think they're the ones taking the public stand for, I would (laughs) guess, about anywhere from like seven to ten senators who don't want to move and would prefer not to who were alive when they came up with the rule and this is actually the bigger problem which is that the democratic party has absorbed i I say this also too often the democratic party for the last probably two and a half decades has been the entire spectrum of rational politics in this country which means that our right side is basically sane Republicans, which means that we are constantly negotiating against those people in order to do anything. Now, the easiest way to get through this would be to destroy the Republican Party. (laughs) And I'm I'm not like just joking, being like, okay, but don't care about them. I'm literally saying like they are effectively a criminal outfit at this point. They are actively undermining our ability to execute on laws, our ability to make laws, our ability, I mean, they, they exonerated an insurrection. The, this kind of stuff is actually quite criminal and quite problematic. They, you know, have more or less packed the courts to avoid, um, the, the, they stopped Obama appointing judges. That was the biggest mistake of his presidency. Yeah. We're gonna, I can say about that all day. But the point is, the judiciary is in the, on their side. So we're not gonna get any help from there unless we break those courts open and we put our people in. And I think, frankly, the Democratic Party should stop acting like Republicans are rational, start treating them like they are, in fact, criminal, and begin a process of saying, we're not negotiating with you. We'll negotiate with our right flank, but we'll point out the obvious. We all need to be on board for this to work. And all of them, don't worry about them. Don't even worry about their voters. I understand that y'all have voters that you need to keep track of, blah, blah, blah. 
we're not, they're not going to be legitimate by the time we get through with this legislation. Yeah, right. Like, we're, Literally. We're, go, go get Merrick Garland on some Rico. Like, what the fuck is going on here? We know, know. money laundering that happened in 2016 and 2020. Oh, no, he doesn't care. He wants to move on. We can oh, do a show God. on that next week. <laughs> this is why I didn't like Joe Biden. This is my energy. I was like, yeah. white dudes are going to be like, let's just all hold you hands. You are very correct. I remember you warning that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. So for our next topic, we're going to check in on the New York City mayor race. So what do we know this morning? Right now, Eric Adams is in the lead with about 31.7% of the vote. Maya Wiley and Catherine Garcia have exchanged second place throughout the night, but Maya Wiley has pulled quite a bit ahead at 22% with Catherine Garcia at about 19%. The biggest headline today is that the person most favored to become the city's next mayor, I would say a couple months ago, has uh, conceded the race. Andrew Yang netted only 11.7%. So he has conceded the race. We don't know who our mayor will be. We might not know until July. My understanding is that obviously... 31.7% for Adams is not 50%. So this will go to the second like tabulation until somebody exceeds 50%. But uh, any predictions or what do we think? Technically, it's whoever finishes with the most votes. It is not going to be a percentage thing. So if you're waiting for someone to crack 50, tragically, no, there will be no runoff situation. It's just whoever ended up with the most votes. Oh, that's right. That's why. That's yeah. I (laughs) forgot. I mixed up the two unconventional elections. (laughs) Well, I... I think it's interesting because right before the election, Andrew Yang and Catherine Garcia like kind of paired up and started doing these events together where they were like rank Catherine number two. I guess with the assumption that everyone that people were going to rank Yang one. So that makes me feel like 
if with Yang out, a lot of those votes are going to go to Catherine Garcia, which I don't think has been yeah. tabulated yet. No, I think also they went out uh, over the weekend and I think <laughs> Andrew Yang was like, yeah, me first, her too. We both agree. And she was like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> also, I also just know, I mean, this is like completely anecdotal evidence, but I know a lot of people who voted for Maya ranked Catherine number two as well. So mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I think there's a strong chance that Adam's wins it outright but i do feel like there is a chance that based on the rank i think a lot of people ranked Catherine garcia number two yeah kind of across the spectrum she did get the new york times endorsements one one thing i realized about her last night which this seems to be getting like a lot of attention there's a lot of headlines that she would be the first cigarette smoking mayor since 1965 i heard that yeah she's the first (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is she promises to quit if elected, which I mean, I ranked Maya Wiley first, but we love when somebody quits their nicotine habit. So if she wins, all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm also not losing sleep about it. If the mayor smokes cigarettes, it's like that's true. Obama smokes cigarettes <laughs> like I like well into his first term, I think he like quit. Right. right. <laughs> Everybody that, I mean, as a person who quits, it takes a, it took me three years to really quit yeah, smoking cigarettes. That's true. And I think that's like a, that was quick. Yeah. And you weren't the president of the United States in the <laughs> middle yeah, of a recession. Like stress. Like you just, you being, know, like, this is how I de-stress and then being like, you can't do that thing. And then being that's like, true. Oh. I don't know if I want our new mayor to like kick the habit right when she gets in there. Yeah, I mean, the thing about this race is that, like, yes, at first blush, it seems really obvious. And I would say that the big mistake that was made was this. I mean, it continues to be made, but whatever is this focus on upper middle class people um, because Adams cleaned house in the Bronx, Mm -hmm. uh, Eastern Brooklyn in eastern queens like these are places where like you should you i can't believe that people weren't headed out there and of course these are also people who have the longest memories in new york they have been here the longest so bronx people and uh the extended parts of those boroughs so there was not enough focus there on those populations um so strategically that's an issue but i have candidates who weren't eric adams didn't strategize enough in those areas? Yeah, basically, I mean, there was a certain amount of, I mean, Andrew Yang, first of all, stole all the oxygen again, which is why people were so fiercely against him because it felt like another Trump situation. Mm. So people were really worried about it. Meanwhile, the actual threat, which is Eric Adams, I mean, I'm bracing for four inept and corrupt years. Um, I don't expect him to get reelected after the the coming shitstorm he's going to initiate because I don't think he's capable of actually running the city properly. So I fully expect that there will just be just complete cockups and it's going to be very visual and very visible and people yes. across the country will be like, oh, that dude can't do shit. And then black people are going to have to sit here and wonder like, okay, so now we're responsible for fucking up New York City some more. And we're going to get gentrified out further because no one's going to want us around to pick another mayor again. This is what people get. Uh, I was there for all sorts of nonsense. And I've always been to uh, my people like, what are, what are we doing? What's the plan? Um, I, I really feel like the Yang factor fucked this race up in a major way because... Number one, 
he had one of the worst run campaigns. I've like just the le- the number of absurd gaffes, like and not even like me. Like one or two were like, okay, you got the headlines today. Maybe this is what you wanted. No press is bad press. But then it was like, oh no, this is just you're fumbling ball. There was someone I can't remember who it was who tweeted like right at the beginning when he got into the race. That's like Andrew Yang is going to get eighty percent of the coverage and 12% of the vote. And that's what <laughs> happened. Literally, he got 11.7% of the vote. Um, the, the media decided that New York was interested in having Andrew Yang as the mayor uh, before ever right. really putting the it. question to anyone. And as it became increasingly obvious that everyone was clowning him, he wasn't going to be the mayor. Like, it was already too late and no one could really I feel I felt like he sucked up so much oxygen from the race with all of his silliness and like dumb whatever that people didn't learn about the other candidates. People were just like, it's either, like I know Andrew Yang is running and then maybe right. they knew about and one I, other yeah. person or whatever. But there was like so little room to learn about anyone because everything even after the debates, it's like, look what Andrew Yang said. Right before, yeah. literally yesterday, he doubled down on like these horrific comments he made about mentally ill people at a debate. And he he doubled down right before the election and was like, you know, tourists see these mentally ill people and they don't want to come back to New York. And it's like the last the, the least New Yorker thing you can say is like, we want the tourists here. Like, right. <laughs> I love the tourists. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I it was it just became really apparent that Andrew Yang was tanking, which is why I appreciate I I will say I appreciate the a little bit of strategizing from my candidates. I'm actually looking because maybe I'm just so cynical and I've been here too long. <laughs> but um always possible. Very possible. But um, I actually really appreciate when people strategize and when I see the work that they're doing. My, I was lucky enough, I'm pretty sure that my council candidate is going to win. One of the first things I loved about my candidate was that I got mailers, I got, like, I got visuals. I was like, this person is doing the work. Like, they've done the thinking, the organizing. They put, yeah. they know where their constituents are, and they're getting those people out. And that is an actual skill and talent, and actually running a proper campaign is a is a skill. And it's something I want to see. That's a management tech. Like, that's that shows. That's, like, showing, not telling. Yeah. Whether or not you've got your, your, your men- mind in the right place. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit sad because Morales' implosion at the end cost Wiley the opportunity to consolidate progressives behind her sooner. And mm-hmm. the reason that AOC endorsement would have been more valuable if it happened in the middle of May than it happening at the beginning of June. And that failure, that extra few weeks, you know, like the Morales people have to sit around and really, I mean, I know that they've got like this internal thing and there's the union busting and there's a whole bunch of other Mm -hmm. discussions, but your job when you go onto a campaign is to get that campaign to win. It is not to live out your values. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I I know that's a terrible thing to say. And that's like not very progressive, but Mm -hmm. I'm a pragmatist. Power is the role of politics. You can leave all the other shit until you win. Cause none of that shit's going to matter if you don't win. They cost, 
Morales an yeah. opportunity to possibly get a big endorsement that could have shifted the race and made it possible for her and Wiley to pair up and get more control and consolidate everyone who left Stringer, who was probably going to be the easiest one to pile behind to be Adams mm-hmm. and no, and that those costs, no strategy for most of these candidates and thinking about, look at that percentage. He's 31.7% of the vote. That means 69.3% of the vote was not for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, who was aiming to figure out how to consolidate that? No one. And I saw uh, Garcia do it at the very end with Yang. And I understand like uh, she, they were, she was over there. It being was like, very late. I don't like you. I'm here for your votes. I love the thought that like Garcia could win just by being like the chick who's smoking in the corner that kind of like didn't cause it. <laughs> ran the trash department. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she's like, whatever. I ran the trash department. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of in between all y'all. And I guess I'm the, yeah. I'm, the fr- I'm the first lady mayor now, I guess. <laughs> like, you know, in all seriousness. Second choices will be a huge thing here. And I really think people didn't think all the way through. I'm almost, I feel relatively, I don't know. I shouldn't stand out here on this limb. Anyway, (laughs) Eric Adams is probably not a lot of people's second choice because of the way the candidates ran their campaigns. So now I'm thinking how many people ranked Wiley Adams Kat Garcia at like you as you I can't envision it who is most likely to get the lump sum of those votes Yang tried to move to Garcia at the end that might help Garcia vault above Wiley and Wiley's most likely if she doesn't if she loses in that second round and she drops to third place the chances of all her votes the bulk of them going to Garcia is very high. So now we've got to do some little bit of math. I'm I'm still kind of holding out hope. We'll see. Dave Wasserman is over here being like, eh, we're at 90%. I don't know. I'm feeling right. pretty good. But no, I mean, there's a lot of New Yorkers. I mean, turnout wasn't amazing. But I mean, if, if any editors are listening, if you're looking for like a 4,000 word postmortem on the New York oral rate, I think Miss Bird is available. <laughs> yeah. That is our show. Until the pending end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Better Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betcha Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.